Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. My name is Todd McLaughlin, and I will be your host. If you would like to learn more about our upcoming live stream yoga classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and or our online yoga studio, please visit us at nativeyogacenter.com. Thank you. Sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this episode. I'm really excited to introduce you to Amy Lucky. Amy holds down an Ashtanga Yoga program in Naples, Florida. Check out Amy on her website, which is A-M-Y-L-U-C-K-Y-Y-O-G-A, amyluckyyoga.com. Today we're going to discuss some topics surrounding how to navigate interesting conversations and discussions with people when we have differing opinions. And Amy also mentioned some really great meditation techniques that can help us in some challenging times. Well, here we go. Let's begin. Meet my friend Amy. Hello, Amy. Do I have you on the line? Yes, Todd. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk to you, talk with you and to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I know that you're over in Naples. Um, how are things going for you over there? Uh, in Naples, you know, you and I, Todd, we're both in Florida, so... Um, I feel like Naples is probably similar to other parts of Florida right now. Maybe not uh, what's going on on the East Coast in the more densely populated areas, but things are going well over here. You know, some things are opening, some things are lagging behind, and and so, uh, you know, everyone's just trying to stay aware of the situation. I hear you. And you run the Ashtanga Yoga Program in Naples. Um, have you been able to uh, to what capacity are you teaching now well we were able to start holding in-person classes just about a month ago Mm -hmm. however with limited numbers to provide for adequate physical distancing so it's that's been going fine but the limited numbers are just that limited numbers and uh, yeah as you know you know it's it's, it's more fun to see a program grow and thrive, but these are definitely not the time for that, for a program to grow and thrive. So, But it's been okay. Everybody's happy to be in the same space again. We'll see what happens. Have you seen a full reintegration of your clientele that you had prior, or has it been, has it been less, or is it, are you finding new people are coming in? What are you noticing? It's been uh last mm-hmm. is that what you're seeing too yeah yep we are we um are are having very limited um in studio you know i feel like before when i had the question in my mind about like you know well well we, we are allowed to reopen now should we reopen you know when that that question pops up now after having We've, we've reopened or been reopened now for, I want to say it's about two and a half months or maybe just a little longer, but, um, and the, the groups are so small that that question has been answered for me. So whereas before it was like, should we do it? Because what if it's really busy and all these people are, 
interfacing one another at the front and, you know, are people going to be able to maintain social distance? I'm finding that the situation is just that not a lot of people are are coming in. So, <laughs> the, and um, and so it's kind of taking care of itself in that respect. The groups are staying really small. I feel like the interaction process that is happening is very beneficial and very like um, everybody is appreciating the communication aspect and um, being able to like see see each other that sort of thing, but. You know, we're still really, I'm not doing any, getting near anybody, not doing any hands-on assisting, um, wearing face masks when people come in, but where we're located, where people are allowed to take them off as long as we keep six feet apart from everybody. So, um, and then we have like a Remy Halo um, air filtration system in our HVAC unit, which helps to clean air and surface. So, you know, just doing a few little things like that and then just noticing that I think the general fear level is at such a heightened point that um, that's kind of taking care of, like you said, the the building of the thriving yoga program seems uh, just not not on the table right now. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, what I'm finding, I don't know if this is the same for you, Todd, is that, you know, of course, there's people who are hesitant to come back. which is, which is fine and completely understandable because they're unsure of the space and the physical distancing. I'm also finding that some people are remaining away because the numbers are limited for whatever reason. But then just from contact people reaching out to me, students, um, saying that, you know, they just can't get back into a routine, um, yeah, I have to say I, I've lost a lot of people to sleeping in right now. Mm. <laughs> but what it is really is that we were routineless really for a good three months there. And I think it still feels that way for a lot of people and to, to find that, that ground of, of routine has been difficult. That's a really, which is yeah. Also understandable. Yeah. It really is. That's a great point because, um, Gosh, you know, like with our yoga practices, we're, well, from the Ashtanga world, I know some people think we're a little crazy, but, and a lot of us have been setting our alarms for 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. and getting up and having this really steady, you know, six days a week and, or, you know, being fairly regimented and, um, and then even from a studio perspective and and holding down a program, you notice how important it is uh, to always be be here or be it at the location where we're teaching at very consistently, so that people can slowly develop that like consistency as well in their own schedule. And then the whole thing just went boom and just got pulled right out. <laughs> and I think you're right; people are you know sleeping in and kind of going, "Oh, I don't know if I want to get back to doing that again." So it's it's funny. You're right. There's a lot of that going on for sure. That's interesting, yeah. right? Well, I know that's that's a good point, Amy. I mean, I guess one thing that I'm noticing too is that you know, there's such a broad spectrum of opinion going on, you know? Um, I mean, obviously if we look at polarity and we see that there's like real opposite ends of, um, you know, we can go really far one direction or we can go really far in the other. And, um, 
you know, and I, I guess I'm noticing that it's challenging sometimes when um, there is such a seemingly polar opposite. Are, are you having, are you coming across that at all? How are you finding your ability to navigate as a mediator in terms of conversation when you are in your space? Do you mean opinions around the virus specifically or? Yeah, or maybe just, I feel like, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, maybe it may be about that. I mean, or yeah, or, or I guess maybe you're not seeing that at all either. Are you, are you seeing that there, are you feeling that there is a very um, varied opinions going on? Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> all right, good. I was like, maybe my planet, <laughs> maybe the planet I'm on is just malfunctioning right now. <laughs> no, 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 not exactly. Yeah, I wasn't sure because there are, so many levels of what's going on in the world right now, or so many facets, I should say, where there's, you know, different opinions you could take about any one of those facets, but, yeah. you know, around reopening and, and the virus and what to do, what not to do, yeah, there are so many opinions. We have, all of us have so much coming at us right now in the form of news, media, personal conversations, like it's enough to make your head spin. And, you know, you pretty much said it already how to navigate that at least as a teacher is you show up and you hope that people also show up and so you know as as long as you know we're able to remain open without any issues that's that's just what i'm going to show up for you know definitely with, with no answers but here just like here i am and you know people come in there's their yoga mat you know so i think it'll start to piece together again um, but right now you're right it is it is uh, quite a lot out there I mean because we're in such the hot seat right now in terms of the information that we're getting regarding testing numbers and um, you know when we were sitting back watching what was happening in New York back in you know April and May we were just cringing going <clears throat> oh boy you know and then we in Florida seemed like maybe we're going to skate by on this. And then now every headline I see in the news every day is just like, look how horrible Florida is. <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, man, I'm right in the middle of this right now. Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's intense, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I uh, that's definitely something that I, I find is useful is just kind of listening and, and hearing what everybody has to say and, and try to just kind of keep that space open where people can express that, even though there there might be very differing opinions going on. Definitely. And I, I do find that opinions are something that really start to gather and condense when the future is uncertain. And right now it mm. certainly is. Uh, that was just kind of opposite. I said the future is certainly uncertain. But you know what I mean. Like, I do. You know, we, yep. it's really hard to make long-term plans right now. And this is true professionally. This is true personally for everybody. And so uh, that uncertainty is driving a lot of thought and a lot of opinions. That's a good point. Do You, you had um, made mention recently that you... Um, like when I asked you what, what books are you reading right now and what are you finding interesting? Can you share with us, um, something that you're, you know, what are you getting some inspiration from and, or, um, what are you, what are you finding that's helping you? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question right now is because I'm reading a lot of books, which is not how, that's not how I like to operate. You know, I usually don't have 
three or four things going on at the same time. But <laughs> for whatever reason, I do right now, especially, you know, trying to learn more about yoga and what I teach and uh, trying to educate myself um, about what's happening in the world involving race and racism. And then also, you know, the books that, like you said, what I'm finding to be um, my daily my daily bread, if I say, you know, something that fuels yeah. me and keeps me grounded. And the one book right now that is just that um, is called Heart Minded by Sarah Blondin. And Sarah Blondin, she's definitely gaining popularity as a teacher, especially in our world, you know, the, the yoga and meditation world. And she just um, published a book that is called Heart Minded, How to Hold Yourself and Others in Love. That's the full title of it. Mm. And she um, really talks about, really it's, it's this, and it's, it's exactly, it's funny you bring up the opinions and how to navigate everybody's uh, differing opinions. Uh, she, she really just, she teaches that. Uh, she talks about being able to discern the difference between the shadow of the mind mm. and um, learning and or living and deciding from the heart space. Mm. And she even says, um, she says, when you're in the shadow of the mind, you know it. You know, it's kind of a place where uh, we're running our stories, our worries, our anticipations, our to-do lists. Um, we're also uh, processing past events and future events through the shadow of the mind. She says, differentiate that or try to differentiate that from when you are making decisions from your heart space, which sounds really simple mm. and, uh, you know, from the outside. And it just is that. Um, it's simple. And I think that's why a lot of people don't stay there in, you know, making decisions from, from their heart space because it is, it is so simple. We always try to logic our way um, around things. We see this in the yoga practice as teachers, don't we? You know, the, yep. the answer in the body is so clear, but mm. then whether it's, it's it's us in our own practice or in a practitioner's practice, we see people trying to um, see with the mind more than the body. Mm. And so that's what she's talking about, about you know coming out of the mind and, and just trying to exist in the space of the heart, which is really the space of possibility Mm. that's cool have you can you give me an example of something that may have happened recently in this last week where you've reflected on that and been able to come up with a solution to a question that you're having or you know hopefully that's not too um vague a question but i'm curious if there's an example of of a time where you've notice that you're in the shadow phase and you're able mm-hmm. to tap into your heart space and feel like that gave gave you some clarity just to kind of i don't know whenever i hear other people explain their experiences with these ideas it helps me to kind of make it where i can can use it as well <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's a, it's actually a great question um and it, it helps a lot where I can witness myself being in one or the other in the shadow of the mind or you know more in a heart based experience and one 
place, and you can probably relate to this, is that, you know, teaching yoga, running an Ashtanga program, uh, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And when, in, when I'm in that place of overwhelm, even when I arrive at the sala in the morning, and before students arrive, I'm still in a little bit of a place of overwhelm, yeah. um, anticipation, Maybe I feel at that moment that I don't want to be there. Um, and then students show up. And as I'm watching them in their practice and I'm communicating with them um, and we're, you know, we're working on things in their practice together, I notice that I'm in a completely different space mm. where I feel 100% on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I also realize that I'm a minority and even being able to experience what that's like to be on purpose. You know, the majority of us maybe have never had the opportunity to to find that. Mm. And so I'll even even this morning as I was teaching, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know what I was so glum about mm. an hour ago because yeah. right now there's no place I want to be more. And you know, and that's what I think Sarah Blondin, the author of the book, talks about when you are in that heart space present, you know it. Mm-hmm. That's a really good example. <clears throat> I can totally relate to that exact same experience. I wonder I wonder sometimes too, it's almost like when we when we don't have the ability to bounce off of other people that pre that that begin like pre game or that pre class um, time where like we're really in our head, like like what you said, where you're just like either nervous or like, am I doing the right thing? Or and then as <clears throat> soon as that first person comes in and that interaction process starts happening, that you're right, that often shifts it really quickly. So I, yeah, I, that almost definitely lends me to believe or in the direction that how <clears throat> how important it is to have community. You know, mm-hmm. to have that that reflection process, or just um, I know it's my own it's my own uh, thought thinking that happens beforehand. That's to my greatest detriment. Versus if I could somehow, <laughs> yes, get out of that before even before the people showed up. That's always such an interesting process. But that was a really great example, Amy. Thank you. Yeah, you know, so there's a quote that comes to mind, and I think it's Mark Twain. Um, he said. You know, I've lived a life with many hardships, some of which have actually happened. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I try to remember that. I tell you, when I, because you can see, you can see yourself running the stories in the mind and, you know, whatever it has is before teaching. Like for me, I arrived to start teaching around 5 a.m. and so, or 5.30 a.m. And, you know, there's all sorts of gloomy thoughts that come along with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And sometimes, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, your your purpose arrives, these practitioners who are showing up to their own practice. And then, you know, everything just shifts. And I, I love watching that shift. That's cool, Amy. I hear you. I know that you, when at the last time I got a chance to practice with you when we were in Fort Lauderdale together, um, you led us through a really great mindfulness meditation practice and that that helped me to appreciate your love for meditation and mindfulness. Uh, do you have a, you kind of already gave a really great technique in terms of 
you know, the ability to watch and observe and then notice how, you know, I'm going from this place of nervousness to now I feel completely in the right spot doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing. Do you have another technique that you lean on often when you're, when you're stressed out or feeling like fear is taking over or something of that nature? Yeah, I do. Um, Todd, have you ever heard of the technique of Tonglen, the meditation, Tibetan meditation practice? I've heard of it, but I can't tell you exactly what it means. Yeah, that's that's okay. Um, a Tonglen is, like I said, a Tibetan, medi- Tibetan Buddhist meditation practice um, where, you know, even when we were not able to leave our houses to go teach out in the real world, I taught a Tonglen class on on Sundays, and which I had never done, but it felt like the technique for the time. And what Tonglen is, is to, um, you know, sit in meditation, and it's often done guided, but doesn't have to be, and to kind of think about, like, your problem of the moment, or your big problem of the day, and to, to sit in it and feel the sensation of it, and then um, on the in-breath, on the inhale, to breathe that sensation in, like almost to ask for the suffering and to feel it. Mm. Also, to recognize in that moment that you are not the only one who has felt that. So you breathe in the sensation associated with whatever problem you're thinking of mm. for you and for everybody else that has felt that way. And what I find is that is the moment of alchemy. That is the moment of transformation where we come out of our isolation. Mm. And that alone is healing. And then, of course, on the out-breath, you send out some concept of relief. Even if you're saying to yourself, I send out relief or send out relief for me and for others who have felt uh, this, this very same experience. And what it's meant to be is a technique that is done in practice like that. However, a technique that you also learn to do in the moment. And so um, I'm so glad you mentioned this because I I definitely have forgotten this technique in the last couple of weeks. And I I need to get back to it. And, you know, say something happens, like something embarrassing happens to you. Mm. Well, in that moment, you know, if you're practiced well enough, you know, to to remember Tonglin, to say, okay, you know, this sensation of embarrassment that I feel in my body. I breathe it in for myself and for everybody else who has felt this Mm. very same thing. Mm. There's your moment of alchemy. You're no longer alone. Mm. And then you exhale, you know, relief for whatever it is based around that sensation. And I I just love, I love that technique. It's, it's, uh, like I said, it's a space creator and it, it brings you out of your isolation. That's awesome, Amy. That's a really good one, too. I appreciate you sharing that one. That's great. Um, You know, while you were talking to it, it made me think, um, it reminded me that just recently you and Greg did a, I think, a Zoom meeting that you had organized. And I did you guys discuss a book, Radical Dharma? Was that what the focus of the discussion was? Yes, that's correct. I did not get a chance to join, but could you give us a brief synopsis of your what you felt came out of you guys gathering together? Yeah, that was actually the second book discussion that we held together. Uh, the first book was we tackled the book uh, um, White Fragility, 
uh, by Robin D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, um, Radical Dharma, was uh, written by, actually, it was a compilation of the three authors um, who were Zen Buddhist, who are Zen Buddhist pre- uh, practitioners. Uh, they are Black Zen Buddhist pe- uh, practitioners. Mm-hmm. And so they were just sort of navigating through their experience uh, of being of being black in you know in that type of work. It was it was interesting. It, you know what we're really doing is just giving the space for these conversations, and no answers come out of these conversations. It's just that it's a desire to have a conversation. Mm. And so, you know, we plan to continue to show up for those conversations, again, with no attachment to outcome or answers or even what's going to happen in the discussions. And we are, uh, have another book coming out by, uh, Bell Hooks, uh, All About Love. So it'll, it'll be another, uh, continuation of that. That, that sounds awesome. Is that when do you guys release a date that everyone starts reading it, or have you guys already started reading it? Um, it's about a month away, and I believe it is August fourteenth, which is a, a Thursday. It might be the thirteenth or fourteenth. Don't hold me to that. <laughs> so, That's okay. Uh, yeah. So yes, you know, I advertise uh, this on my website, and, and I believe uh, Greg Nardi advertises it in his newsletters and websites as well. Okay, awesome. I'll, um, I know I already introduced everyone to, with your website, which is amyluckyyoga.com, but that'd be a good place to go visit so that we can find out the dates of that. I, I like the one thing that I've noticed being able to have the opportunity to hang out with you and Greg and, and um, other like-minded yogis where, like you said, where you're taking that approach of having no agenda about where the conversation is going to go and just being really open and listening. And, and oftentimes it can create maybe an uncomfortable space. And, um, but then the process of giving everyone the opportunity to voice what they're feeling and thinking is such a powerful and amazing experience. Yeah. That's cool, Amy. Yeah. Awesome. I, I hear you. Well, what else have, um, uh, if, as far as your own personal practice, and how are, how are you feeling these days? Are you feeling inspired? Are you, are you doing short practices, long practices, just mindfulness practice, combining Ashtanga and mindfulness? What, what kind of makes up your routine these days? <laughs> yes, again, I, I, I definitely fall into the, category of people that feel routine bliss. <laughs> my schedule keeps changing. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've gone back to teaching and I teach really early so that's shifted something. Um, you know, but I, I still, you know, come to the practice as, as often as I can almost every yeah. day. Nice. Um, I've definitely come to see it in a different way as not so much something that I have to do mm-hmm. as something that, that ultimately serves me. So that has been nice. Um, especially, like I said, when we are getting very routineless, we feel groundless, we feel uncertain about the future. Um, a practice like that, um, it doesn't bring us to certainty. That we know. Right. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it brings us to, to presence, and it, it definitely fosters a, 
um, resilience that comes from just being able to adapt. And the yoga practice, Todd, you probably agree, and I think we might even discuss this, wasn't a great adapted, adapted to the changing times of you know, everything needed to go online. And now we're back to in person and a little bit online, and we're doing both. And I think you, you're teaching both at the same time, virtually and in person. Is that true? That's true, yep. Yeah, so, you know, yoga's been extremely adaptable as a profession, I, I find. Uh, and, you know, that, that comes from coming to that practice and just being able to change our view every, every now and then. And that just creates a, an adaptability that, that uh, serves us. So if I lose touch with that, then I know it. <laughs> That's a really good point. I hear you. That's awesome, too, what you said, Amy, as well, as far as it's shifting from something that you have to do to something that you are looking forward to doing because of the grounding element that comes with it. That's really cool. I agree with you on that. Yeah. I had a I had a uh, the opportunity to come across the book, which I'm still reading right now, by a man named James Nestor, and it's called Breathe. And um, he performs all of these amazing... Um, well, he does all these different experiments about breath and tries to measure it to bring that scientific approach as to how breath does actually affect us. And he brings up in it this um, German woman who, when I believe like in like 1920, 1930, in that realm, she was born with scoliosis and she has, I wish I could remember the names, but if, if you guys want to read the book, it's absolutely amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, and uh, I guess through the practice of breathing, she was able to cure and or move her scoliosis back to the point to the, or in such a healthy way that she's able to do things that people thought she'd never be able to do. And really simply just kind of like bending the body in a way that where the spine is kind of constantly getting curved into bending the opposite way and then practicing on breathing and trying to get the breath really deep down in on that area and and then having these radical shifts so that then when there was other people that, that had this that had no other options were going to her and she ran a center in in germany so after i had read that this morning or i was listening to it on the audiobook as i was driving in for um, practice this morning i um i just decided i'm gonna just do just the standing poses today but i'm gonna try to breathe really deep like each five breaths in every single pose and um oh it was such a great experience and i feel like i felt like i had this like whole light bulb moment again where i'm like ah, this is what yoga is all about. Like, it's so simple and we're just moving and breathing. And yet, I don't know, for some reason I had that, um, that kind of re reignite, reigniting element of just doing less and finding more in the less. And, um, I don't know, I'm feeling pretty inspired right now. I'm feeling pretty stoked on the yoga. <laughs> that's, that's excellent. I love, you know, the life moments and isn't it interesting as we mature in our practice and whatever that means, that could just mean that you're, you know, practice for a long time. The light bulb moments usually do come up around the breath more than anything. Mm. And so, yeah, that's, that's a fantastic um, revelation that you had there and an experience. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I do. Um, from the mindfulness practice base, you know, I, I know there's this element of, 
I know there's like so many different practices and it depends on which tradition you're in, but from the element of observing breath without pushing it, you know, and just observing like natural breath, do you, um, when you, when you're practicing your Ashtanga yoga and, you know, we have this concept of ujjayi breathing, breathing with sound and, do you know, do five strong breaths and, you know, you can either be led really quick where it's like one, two, mm-hmm. three, or, you know, it could be drawn out. Um, do you toy with the element of, you know, say from a mindfulness perspective, perhaps we don't force the breath and you're just trying to maybe observe how the breath moves naturally. How do you, do you ever um, change how you breathe when you practice? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm I'm one of those people who, um, if I'm left to my own devices, which is probably another way to say if I'm left to just my mind and not my body, <laughs> is I I realize that I I savor the exhale, and so I'll make the exhale long and deep, and it'll have that resonant sound, and then the inhale is something quite different. Mm. Um, where I might even cut it short or it might not, you know, have that same resonance. Um, and so I will, I will take those when I'm, when I'm called to awareness, I'll take that moment to try to switch it to mm. make the exhale something that's actually a bit more passive and the inhale something that I put uh, effort into more. Mm. And so I, I love those practices because they, they show me a lot. And when I, when I do that, when I switch to a more mindful inhale and ease up on the exhale just a bit, meaning where I'm not, you know, putting so much effort yeah. into the exhale, I yeah. do, I see all the, the fruits of the inhale, like mm. a sense of lightness and openness and yeah. um, like a buoyancy, I suppose is the word. Yeah. That's awesome. I hear you. I mean, it's like so subtle. But yet, mm-hmm. you know, like you get so excited over <laughs> these little things. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that, Todd, because, you know, we were talking about Sarah Blondin's book, Heart Minded, and, yeah. you know, how existing in the heart and kind of being open is almost too simple for us. And same with the focus on the breath. It's so simple. And like you said, and the lessons from it are so simple. We forget it because of its simplicity. Mm. I think, you know, um, especially these days, we're wired for drama. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're always looking for something over breath, whether it's sensation or, uh, you know, something in our in our minds or thoughts. So to return to the breath, to that simplicity, it's almost agonizing how simple it is, right? Oh, I know. It's classic. <laughs> I, I, it's so, it is. It's really interesting. One of the, one of the um, ideas that um, James Nestor brings up in his book, Breathe, is <clears throat> that they're studying how when we're sleeping, that if we have sleep apnea and or snore, that that almost puts us in a state of suffocation, so to speak. And the lack of oxygen in the body has a huge effect on our longevity as a whole. And so one of the ideas that they're trying to encourage people to do is just nose breathe, which I, I'm finding absolutely fascinating because I know we're always taught to, you know, breathe through the nose. And that just seems like something that you're like, this is what you do. You breathe through the nose, in and out, right? And just go like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you hear these long standing traditions and cultures that have 
put incredible importance on trying to breathe through the nose and not the mouth. So he, they got to the point where they would put some electrical tape over their mouth when they go to sleep mm-hmm. to, uh, <laughs> to, to not let the mouth open up. And so like yesterday I tried to all day, I know I'm talking a lot here right now, so that kind of blows my whole breathe through the nose theory, but, um, <clears throat> keep, you know, keep the mouth closed and just nose breathe throughout the day and like stay really conscious of it. And, uh, even that alone is, uh, a really amazing experience, like just being aware of like, okay, mouth closed. And I don't know, there's definitely something to this whole breathing through the nose thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a, a thing. I used to run a 200 hour teacher training. And uh, I had a friend at that time who was also doing the training, which was wonderful. Um, she was a friend who had cancer. And she found herself after the teacher training ended in the hospital quite a bit. Um, but she was this like lovely, um, curious mind as well. Mm, mm. And when she was hooked up to the heart rate monitor and the blood pressure machine because of what she had learned in teacher training about the importance of breathing through the nose, mm. she, when the nurse and the doctor would step out of the room, she would, she would play with it. She would, spend about five minutes breathing through the nose. And then, you know, once her nervous system was calm, she watched her heart rate, her blood pressure. She was to entirely mouth breathing. Uh-huh. And she just saw the heart rate rise, the blood pressure, you know, increase. And uh, she said, wow, that's, that's really, that's really something. Uh, yeah, because when my, my former uh, career was a research scientist, ah. and so I did a lot of research uh, that a lot when I think about the breath, and uh, you know, when we're breathing through the mouth, it's, it's usually something that the body recognizes as something that we would do in an emergency, and so all of the uh, associated physiological effects with emergency or the sympathetic nervous system start, you know, start to happen. Mm. And so it's uh, when we switch to the to the nose um, that we are able to kind of come back to that present relaxed state. And uh, it's yeah, you're right. It's fascinating. I'm I'm now thanks Todd. As soon as you uh, and I finish here, I'm probably going to go order that book right away. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. It's it's the. <laughs> I hope you find it as interesting as I am. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure I will. I'm just a bunch of yoga nerds at the end of the day, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man, I hear you, Amy. Well, gosh, I really enjoy speaking with you. I, I find that you you always kind of um, have such a nice way of looking at things, and it, it, it makes me feel um, I feel encouraged and just nice and calm and relaxed when I get get a chance to talk to you, and it's been and, and also to practice with you. I'm looking forward to having... Um, more opportunities in the future. I know right now we're all kind of learning from just, you know, enjoying the old staycation and finding the most out of all of our, you know, at home and local neighborhood experiences. <laughs> but I, I am excited that when we'll have a chance to all get together and practice again for sure. I agree, Todd. And as, as soon as it, it makes sense, we've got to have you over here in Naples. And hopefully you can 
you have a workshop or something, everyone here would love to see you. That'd be awesome, Amy. And same here. I'd love for you to come over here and visit us and offer offer a class and a workshop. Thank you, Todd. I'd love to. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for joining me today. And I look forward to many great conversations down the road. Let's stay connected here. Of course. Same here. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too, Todd. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Native Yoga Toddcast. We really appreciate it and we hope you enjoyed. Remember that if you'd like to learn more about upcoming classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and our online yoga studio, all of which you can access at nativeyogacenter.com, your support is greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful day.